to Anchors Away, the podcast that chronicles a landlocked new sailor's journey to finding freedom and adventure at sea. I'm your host, Todd Middlebrooks, and I welcome you along on my journey. This logbook episode of the podcast wraps up our U.S. Virgin Islands charter in May of 2021. Day 8, returning home. We woke early to get the boat back to Compass Point Marina by 10 a.m. The plan was to raise anchor by about 7 a.m., similar to a pre-ski, but we were running a tad bit late, as usual. This plan gave us some buffer time, so I wasn't real stressed about it. Plus, based on the week we had, I was planning to take as much time as we needed at the base, regardless of what they said. I got TJ going to raise the anchor and Trip hopped in the engine compartment once again. We got the anchor up, shifted it forward, and made our way for Compass Point, which would take us about two hours. It was a beautiful morning and despite beating into the wind and swell, the ride was pretty calm all the way in. The north side of St. Thomas was beautifully lit by the morning sun. We maintained our 2200 RPM and roughly 7 knots of speed until we reached a shallow cut between St. Thomas and Great St. James Island, where the depth got to about seven and a half feet. I called Dream Yacht, per their request, to let them know we were about 30 minutes out. They asked us to prepare for a starboard side docking and enter the channel. I reiterated to them that we were manually shifting the port transmission and asked if they could meet us further out. They just repeated to enter the channel and someone would be out to meet us. Trip took the helm as I moved the fenders to starboard and prepared our dock lines. Once everything was set, I took the helm once again as we approached Jersey Bay and prepared to enter the channel into Compass Point Marina. I throttled back slowly and aimed for the channel markers. As we passed the first set of markers, I had Trip shift into neutral and began steering through the tight and shallow channel using only alternating thrust on the starboard engine. This worked surprisingly well and kept us from having to do a lot of manual shifting. As we reached the end of the channel, where it opened up into the marina, a chase boat arrived with a pilot to guide us in. I was relieved to see them arrive without much weight. I was relieved to see them arrive without much weight, but to be honest, I was feeling pretty confident at that point and could probably have docked starboard side without much issue since they had us on the end of the dock. Regardless, our pilot pulled us alongside the dock, we tossed our lines, and were secured to the dock in no time at all. Our pilot hopped off and let me know that a debriefer would be along shortly. We began the cleanup and packing process while we waited. Not too much time had passed before Scott arrived to handle our debrief. He did his walk around outside before checking the panel and the heads and was ready to speak to me. Captain, do you want to speak inside or outside? I opted to discuss our issues in the cockpit outside. He went over a few general checklist items and then asked, So, did you find any issues with the boat this week? <laughs> it took all I had to keep from busting out laughing, but I was able to respond by stating, Quite a few, actually. I started in reverse order and with the most serious issue, the transmission. Then he responded by saying, Oh, this is that one. To which I replied, yep, this is that one. I went on to discuss the various issues that we'd experienced during the week, 
Scott had only been working with Dream Yacht Charter for three weeks. His background was process and operational efficiency, working with the government. He was in St. Thomas learning base operations with a plan to move up to the national corporate level where he hopefully can make a positive impact. (laughs) They sure need it. After our official debrief, we continue to discuss the management issues that Dream Yacht is experiencing at the moment. The St. Thomas base is especially struggling with the increased volume of charters since the BVI announced their closure and then stringent protocols at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic. Scott said that Dream Yacht typically likes to maintain about 25 boats at a base with a team of 18 or so employees. St. Thomas is currently operating a base of about 75 boats with a team of six, yes, six employees, including him. They have technicians working 14-hour days and coming in on their days off to keep charters running. Again, I do not fault the base employees for our issues. They are doing the very best they can, but I'm afraid it's a losing battle until something drastic changes upstream. We quickly packed up all of our bags, set our leftover food out on the counter, combined our linens into the port forward cabin, and took a final sweep through rendezvous before disembarking. Kevin was busy getting Brett and his crew back to the airport, but had texted me this morning to arrange transportation for us. Lou was scheduled to meet us at 11.30 and take us back across the island to the airport. Another drawback of Dream Yacht is their geographical location on the island. It's not anywhere near the airport. The temperature was already 84 degrees when we loaded our bags and our final trash run into the cart and started making our way down the dock. We were about as far from the parking lot as you could get, and we were all sweating bullets when we arrived at Lou's Black Van. We loaded up and began our adventurous ride across St. Thomas back to the airport. When we arrived and unloaded, Lindsay even asked for another scopolamine patch to help her on her flight because the car ride had made her motion sick once again. Not knowing if we'd see each other again, TJ and I said our goodbyes to Lindsay and Trip before we checked in at Delta and they headed to the customs line. The customs line continued to grow, wrapping outside the building as we waited to check in. We finally joined the line and began our long wait. When the line forked inside, we naturally chose the longer and slower of the two lines. Only a third of the windows had customs agents even working, so it was a very slow process. Making our flight was going to be close. We got a great customs agent and the process went quickly once we were at that window. We dropped off our checked bags and joined the security line, which was also very long. Our plane began boarding while we were about halfway through the security queue. I was already checking our seats on the next flight in case we didn't make it, and there were plenty, so we weren't stressed. If we did miss our flight, we would have a little time to grab something to eat, too, which would be nice. We finally made it through the security screener and quickly gathered our things to try to get to the gate. When the door slid open from security, we saw Suzanne walk by. That's when we realized we'd made it after all. The plane was about 60 to 70% boarded, but the process was still going. The winds had waited on us to make sure we'd made it. Both sets of the youngs were also at the gate, so we said our goodbyes to them and made our way to the plane. It was nice that we made our original flight, but we knew we weren't going to get a full meal to eat until after we landed in four hours. Ultimately, our lunch consisted of Twix candy bars we had in the cooler 
and the pretzels and Biscoff cookies that were provided on the plane. Not very filling and certainly not very nutritional. But the flight home was a good one with just a little bit of turbulence climbing out of St. Thomas. I took a brief nap, having had the least amount of sleep of the trip the night before, and then proceeded to catch up on my journal entries from the trip, which really helped pass the time. When I was all caught up, aside from this entry, we were only about 20 to 30 minutes out from landing in Atlanta. After we deplaned, we met up with the Wins, the Kirbys, the Williamsons, Bo and Cameron, and headed to the baggage claim. Ginger said, I can't believe y'all are doing this again in three weeks. Ah, yes. It feels great to have another sailing adventure planned so closely to this one. As much as I appreciate the experience that I gained on this trip, I hope far less goes wrong on our Exumas trip. I'm hoping for a great boat that's easy to manage. Either way, it will be more comforting to have two experienced captains on board the same boat. Experienced crew makes all the difference. Now it's time to finalize that itinerary and begin planning for the Exumas. I'm looking forward to having our whole family on board at the same time once again. Much like the British Virgin Islands trip that started it all. I'm looking forward to having our whole family on board at the same time once again. Much like the British Virgin Islands trip that started it all. Thanks for tuning into the show. Be sure to subscribe and have future episodes automatically docked into your favorite podcast player. Until then, anchors away.